Are you about to scream because the expense management app that you use lacks customer support? Are you frustrated because the expense management app you use charges your clients for all their employees even when only a few of the employees filed expense reports that month? Do you hate in-app ads disrupting your work? If you said yes to any of these questions, stay tuned to hear more from our sponsor, File, later in the episode. I also want to clarify that I am not a crypto hater. I am a Bitcoin skeptic. And those are different things. I am very bullish about the potential of blockchain to change the world and cryptocurrency in general to do amazing things. But I think there is a ton of hype around Bitcoin. And I see it online and I see people who don't have any clue what's going on hyping it up. And there's so much hype. And that is what concerns me. Today is Saturday, November 13th. Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. And I'm David Leary. Blake, we were just at the airport two days ago. I know. It was so great to see you in person yet again. We were at Sage Transform Las Vegas yet again. And this is it. There's no more conferences now, I, so I might not see you till May. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to Digital CPA, okay. which is the weird one that happens in December, the odd conference that happens in December. But uh, no, this is the last one you and I are at. And it was the Sage Transform Conference, formerly known as Sage Intact Advantage, still featuring mainly Sage Intact Advantage, although now they are starting to gradually bring in the wider Sage product portfolio. We got an interview with Aaron Harris, the CTO at Sage Global. What he is up to is really interesting. If he can pull it off, it will be game-changing. But I don't want to give away anything other than that. We, well, we interviewed him, so that'll be a bonus episode. Right. So that's going to be the bonus episode coming out after this one. So stay tuned. And my other favorite interview was Megan Walker. The um, I think she's like VP finance. She runs accounting finance for Oxford Collection, which is a boutique hotel chain. And she uses Intact. And I thought her story was just so great because she came in as a finance person and implemented a new accounting system after like six weeks on the job and the former controller left. So like what a crazy two or three years she had and successfully did it. So great takeaways from that. We also talked to Kevin Comley, who runs the accountant program, and we attended all the keynotes. And we got to see what's new with Sage, what are the big releases that are coming next year. So what were your big takeaways from the conference, David? Like, we sh I think we should do pros and cons. I, I think it's very clear they're kind of building their own ecosystem of, or like a full stack. Right, and they've partnered with what do you mean ADP by that? for payroll? Oh, okay, yeah. Right. So, like, so just like Oracle, right? They're trying to build more into well, the Oracle, and I could argue QuickBooks, and now you know, we'll get into zero, zero too, news in yeah, a bit. Yeah. Zero as well, and Toast, the point of sale. Like we can get in those. That'll be later on in the episode. But everybody's building this stack, and you know, after talking to Aaron Harris a little bit, the bell went off for me. Is like it's kind of like this accounting metaverse. <laughs> right. Where, you know, he made the argument that like the accounting data is really the only data anybody can really trust. And like that should be the foundation of the whole entire business, you know, working. It used to be like you would run a business and then you would use an accounting system. Right. And now the accounting system and the accounting data is actually the business. It's actually running the business. It's it's doing everything from the front end and the sales to the back end to the employees to all the data you need in your business is really part of the accounting. It starts with the accounting data first, which I thought was just an interesting way to start thinking about how people run their businesses. Well, and it's really what's happening. And 
it takes me back to that interview we did with the School of Rock CFO, where he said that accounting is the place to be for data because everything comes into you. So you have the full picture of the business. So you're well positioned to understand it and and manage all the data, not just the accounting data. So that's what's exciting to me about our profession right now is that possibility of accountants owning all the data, not just the financial data. But you kind of got to step out of your comfort zone to do that. And it kind of makes sense. I mean, the more I start thinking about this, if you know, if you want to write off like, okay, Facebook knows everything about our personal data. Amazon knows all our shopping and buying habits. Really, Intuit, Sage, Zero, Oracle with um, NetSuite, they all have like this amazing business financial data that's kind of not yet tapped and utilized very good yet. No, not as well as it could be anyway. And that's where there's so much upside. And it's exciting to hear about what people's plans are. So that is one of the things that both companies are really working on. And that was one of my big takeaways from the Sage Transform keynote by Dan Miller on the, the first day, Tuesday. He really outlined where Intact is putting its resources. So there are four key categories where they are developing the product. Accounting, analytics are still there, have always been there. But they added payroll and planning to those top four. So accounting, planning, analytics, and payroll. And well, what you mentioned the, the big payroll announcement. Uh, this, this goes to all of these systems trying to be all-in-ones. What is the, what's the big announcement that Sage had with payroll? So it's called Sage Intact Payroll. And I think it's parentheses powered by ADP. So they partnered with ADP to offer payroll directly inside of Sage Intact. And NetSuite already does this with their, uh, with their sweet people. Or they built their own payroll. I feel like partnering with an with ADP is probably going to be an easier way to build this than trying to build it yourself. I'll give that to Sage. And a lot of folks are already using ADP already, right? They're the dominant one, so it got it got a, a smattering of applause at the keynote. I think people were pleased with that in general. Yeah, and in that same slide where they talked about the four things, like you said, accounting, analytics, planning, and payroll, it kind of expands out from there. And if you really start looking at it, it's from the one end point of sale time and expenses, your employee mm-hmm. stuff, all the way to the other side where treasury management, tax management, you know, CRM. CRM's so in there. They're starting to expand out everything that they're doing in the same way all the platforms are right now. And the practical announcement, the one that they actually demoed at the conference was the AP automation, which gave me flashbacks, of course, because NetSuite's doing the same thing. Everyone's doing this. They are building accounts payable automation directly into the product. What does that look like? Well, you open up a bill in Intact, and now you have a pay button. And this is this is just what uh, you know is happening inside of QuickBooks Online now, right? Where you have the 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 pay button. You guys power that at Melio. Well, well, I think it's- now all of the major accounting platforms, QuickBooks Zero, even though Zero doesn't have it in the U.S. Zero doesn't market, have it yet. Yeah, not in the US. U.S. market, right? But Intact and Netsuite all now offer bill capture slash bill scanning and bill pay in the accounting system which is kind of like the natural home. I mean, it's it's the ideal, right? It's the dream to be able just to do that and have it all in one place and not have to go to a separate system. But at the same time, like we've got great AP systems that do this and probably do it better. And it kind of feels to me that they're just copying bill.com, right? Like, oh, who's doing really well in our marketplace? It's bill.com is doing well, Avid Exchange, whatever, all these different AP apps. Let's just copy their functionality into our product. Like, that's and then not they're adding everything. They're adding approvals and they're adding... Right. A virtual card, vendor directory, right? Yep, yep. Putting all that in. Yeah, so it's not exactly innovative, but I guess it will be more practical for folks. 
And it does make me wonder, though, what's going to happen to all these AP companies? There's definitely going to be winners and losers. If I had to compare and contrast, like going to even QuickBooks Connect, and I mean, I've been to ZeroCon, and I would say NetSuite is the one that doesn't feel as open, right? Um, NetSuite has payroll. You go, there's ADP. There was no payroll companies on the show floor, the expo hall floor at NetSuite. QuickBooks, you go, there's OnPay and Squares payrolls there and ADP and paychecks. Like even though Intuit has a billion dollar payroll division, all these other payroll companies are there. And the same was true for Intact. Intact's conference. Other payroll companies were on the floor. There's a lot of accounts payable apps there. Obviously, Build.com had a big huge booth. My guess is next year, even though Intact's rolling this out, those players will still be at the show floor. I think they're trying to be a little bit more open platform. Yeah. And we asked Aaron Harris about that and he said they're committed to staying open. And again, uh, got to go listen to that interview, but he's all about building the Sage API. So he, he doesn't want to shut it down. And that's how philosophically it seems the two companies are different, where NetSuite's more of a suite approach. It's in the word. It's what Evan was, Evan Goldberg has been trying to build for 20 years. And they're more likely, they're going to close it down, right? If, if you compete with them, you cannot be in that expo hall, where hopefully, Not hopefully. That, it's hard to even get API access. Right. Yeah, exactly. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Rewind. Imagine if a meteorite wiped out Intuit's server. It's extremely unlikely, but if it did happen, Intuit would be able to restore all your data and everyone else's that was lost. Rewind has built a backup solution for data loss situations that are way more likely to occur to your client's data. Malicious attacks, buggy apps, disgruntled clients, and of course, ourselves. Human error, the number one reason people lose data. Say goodbye to making manual copies of clients' files, CSV exports, or storing redundancies on hard drives. Rewind is introducing a new way of protecting your data through an automated daily backups and on-demand controlled data recovery. As the leading cloud backup app trusted by over 80,000 organizations around the globe, Rewind has saved thousands of accounting professionals from mind-numbing manual data entry rework. To learn even more about Rewind and access a special offer just for listeners of the Cloud Accounting Podcast, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash rewind. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash R-E-W-I-N-D. So the other thing that I heard in the keynote that was interesting was the global expansion. And this we knew was going to happen because when Intact got acquired by Sage, Intact was pretty much US only. And there's an obvious opportunity to take it global. And they're doing that. So global banking and payments, multi-language, global tax and compliance, e-invoicing, they're working on all that stuff, which will make them more competitive with NetSuite because NetSuite's already global. They're just behind, you know, they're behind. They got to catch up. And they also are going a little deeper on their their, uh, industries that they do really well in, manufacturing, nonprofit, construction. Yep. They're going a little deeper on that. And that's an example of openness because I think in construction, they partnered with a different company for construction payroll. They also talked right at the end of the of the keynote about this concept called the data mesh, which I wasn't totally clear on, but it sounds a lot like this data warehouse, but slightly different take on it. That The data warehouse they do at Oracle, basically this idea of getting your intact data, your non-financial data together so you can do cool stuff with it, that's in there too. But but it's that seems sort of like more pie in the sky right now. No, not practical. Well, I think it, right now it's only as it improves, It's first it's just going to be the intact data they have, then open it up to other Sage data they have, then open it up to third-party API partners, then just to random data like, oh, I got the weather. I'm going to plug that in and see how, to, how it crisscrosses to my other data. Right. So they're, they, they plan on having it, but you're right. It does sound a lot like the data warehouse. Yep. 
Well, and that's the thing is if, if you can get your data all in one place, you need to be able to do cool things with it outside of Excel, right? This is the vision instantaneously, not have to do spreadsheets. So, And they're unifying their API. Like, so that way it's easier for developers to build and integrate, which I think is really like, I'm happy to see things like that, right? Oh, yeah. Open APIs, APIs that are easier for developers to use. Mm -hmm. So I do have a criticism. And I said, you know, let's do pros and cons. Do you have any, do you have any uh, criticisms of the conference or of what Sage's strategy is? I didn't have any criticisms, but I did have a big bell or question go off for me. Okay. Is how come they aren't in the capital space, like giving out loans? And they're not, like, there's no intact bank. All the other three, QuickBooks, Zero, and NetSuite have all launched banks. And they all are in the giving loans to small businesses. Yeah. I just thought it was weird that there was nothing around hmm. that. Because um, it seemed like it would be a natural announcement. And when you pay bills, you also can sign up and get a bank account. So you can pay your bills from our bank. That I'm surprised about. That there's no Sage bank. So my takeaway, or my suggestion for Sage, has to do with the accountant program. We talked to Kevin Cumley about the accountant program. We talked to him years ago. It really hasn't changed that much. And it kind of feels old school, I got to say. You have to, as an accounting firm, if you want to be a Sage Intech partner, and NetSuite does this too, but Sage is partnered with AICPA, CPA.com. So like this is, it's more important in the accounting community, CPA world anyway, to focus on their program. You have to pay money to be part of their program. I was talking with an accountant. But you get a lot. I think, right? You get a well, lot of training. Well, like you have to get, well, you're putting some stake in the game in theory. I mean. Skin in the game. Supposedly you get a lot. But I, I was just talking with an accountant yesterday who is part of the uh, program. He says it costs him $5,000 a year and gets nothing from it because he, he they did their own implementations. They, they figured it out themselves. They didn't use the Sage training, which, you know, how, that happens a lot of time, right? You you're in this program, you don't you don't need the certification, you can go figure it out yourself, right? You have to apply. I was talking with another accountant at the conference on the floor who's starting a firm and, and starting a firm from scratch and wants to do it on intact, not zero or quick. You want that to be your niche or your specialty, yeah. which would make sense, right? He, he went out there, he looked at all the options and he said, for my niche, and he's he's very, I mean, he's doing it perfect. He's doing it exactly the way you should to start a new firm. He picked out a niche, it's super targeted. It's like a micro niche within a niche. And he's just going to own it because he knows it. And he knows after doing his research that Intact is the platform that can serve it best. And this is going to be not cheap bookkeeping. It's going to be really good outsourced accounting services. He had to apply. They didn't even want to talk to him because he had no clients yet. He had to apply and convince them with a business plan to let him into the program. I've heard this a similar story from a (laughs) value-added reseller implementation company before that where they have to go through a credit check and they have to almost spend $30,000. And then you got to, you know, kind of like we thought, I think we talked about NetSuite where you got to bring in so many sales a quarter or, new, or net new users. And so it's just, it, it feels for me and, and maybe you as well, it's really opposite of the QuickBooks Zero model, which is you want the accountants to just push any client that's could be on there. Like, like why let this client, okay, you, or this accountant, you're allowed to put clients on our product, but you, this accountant, you're kind of not, we're not going to help you. It doesn't make sense. Well, I get you why they just do help it. all the accountants, right? I get, no, I get, they don't though. That's why you put a price on it. You put these barriers to entry because, and I understand this, you want to protect the time of your support people over at Sage and Intact, right? And, and it's, it's, if you have a very people heavy set up for these firms and they require lots and lots of handholding, then yeah, you have to put a price on it. 
<laughs> Otherwise, you'd be overwhelmed. But I think there are ways now to automate that and to allow people in where it's self-service, right? Like, like, let me sign up as an accountant for a demo account so I can at least see what's possible. That's doable, right? You can automate that. And then anyone could do that. Like, then, then that's what Intuit has done. Wouldn't it be like an investment? Like, it would probably be a hit at first. Of course. But, but then eventually, like Intuit so has enormously. so many experts on QuickBooks. Yeah. That they become the support for the front end. It actually helps your support on the back end eventually. Yeah, you get guys like Hector Garcia, right? Who provide through YouTube videos probably more support than anyone at Intuit ever, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so what I don't like about this kind of approach, I'm bashing Oracle and Sage for this equally, is it's exclusionary. So it excludes small firms, which I don't like from a competition standpoint. It just perpetuates these old traditional firms and lets them keep doing what they're doing because they don't have competition. And if you like to look at it through this lens, it, I think it's also, it hurts diversity. It is excluding the people who run small firms. And you know who those people are? More likely to be women, more likely to be non-white old guys. That's and, an interesting take because Aaron Harris did a keynote the second day, the day two keynote. And he laid out a really interesting case about how e-invoicing, accounting data, accounting systems, accounting workflows is really going to help solve some social ills, diversity, global warming inclusion. And, you know, he, and he really laid out how Sage, Sage and Intact is putting their money where their mouth is on this. But you're arguing like, well, then start with your accounts program. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to disrupt the patriarchy, <laughs> whatever you call it, then yeah, make it more open. You're literally excluding people on purpose with putting a price in front of it. So that's my challenge to the accountant program at Sage. That's how they could be different than, than somebody else. And I think it would be good for the profession. Like, don't put up barriers to people using your product. It's also just bad business these days to do that. It's old school. And that's my take. But overall, hey, love the conference. I love the, the. I mean, we got to talk to some customers who are super, super passionate about Intact in a way that people are in love with QuickBooks and Zero and these other small business products. And that was really exciting and encouraging. Well, we met somebody who I think, uh, Tanya, I forget her last name, but she, this is like her 14th year in a row of going to the event or some ridiculous yeah. number. Yeah. We talked to a CFO who was like glowing about it. And that to me is an excellent sign. They're headed in the right direction. So a couple of their great. small things yeah. they announced. So they have, you know, they, they really want to have it accessible to employees. So, you know, they have a mobile app now for employees and you could give them a custom little dashboard in there for whatever they need to know about the data, but they can do uh, time tracking in this app. They can do expense reports in this app. So there yeah, are, you know, yeah. which, you know, that's other partners, right? <laughs> Timesheets well, and, and expense reports are other apps. It was interesting to see in the mobile app, they've got the receipt scanning, bill processing. And you said that's from oh, the Oh, it looked and smelled and tasted uh, auto entry, which Sage acquired, right? Um, even the bill pay, some of the bills pay stuff looked in a lot like auto entry. Yeah. So, and we also like to say, oh, you know, Sage and Oracle move slower than Intuit and Zero, But in this case, Sage managed to get auto entry in their product faster than Zero could get HubDoc in their product. So- that's an accomplishment. So we're here in app news, right? Shall we just keep on? Keep well, yeah, because I apps? think everything we're touching on is like most of the app news this week. I mean, we got we could talk about other platforms building in functionality like AR and AP. We could talk about zeros, numbers, expensive. I had an IPO. Like, there's a lot to to chat about. Yeah, platforms. we got to talk. Well, but don't so we have a voicemail though? First, we should do. 
We do have a voicemail. Okay, yes, let's get, let's listen to the voicemail because I love it when we get feedback from our listeners. This is a good. That'd one. be a good transition before we jump into apps. Here we go. So this is from Greg. Hi, Blake and David. This is Greg Bayranian. I was calling because I wanted to speak to you guys about or comment about your guys' episode on cryptocurrency. I was really shocked because you guys are a cloud accounting podcast. And I'm like, wow, you guys should really be up on tech and digital and all that stuff. And to hear that you guys were against it and that you had, I think it was Jamie Dimon, the one who is like really against it. And I think it's best to do your complete homework before having an episode like that. And maybe you guys did and you came to that conclusion, but I was surprised. I was really surprised. And it kind of reminded me of how accountants are because accountants are really behind. They're always want to take a check. They don't want to pay the fees and they just stay stuck in the old school. And um, I think crypto is the future. Who knows how soon or how long, but I think it's a good investment. And I would just like to, you know, maybe you guys have a balanced perspective on it and maybe have somebody who's for it, somebody who's against it so people can make a good decision instead of just assuming that, you know, it's not good or it's like Beanie Babies or whatever fad is out there, you know, and it's definitely not that. I've done my homework on it. And I'm definitely investing in it from the, for the long term and going to learn how it's going to affect the accounting world, too, in the future, because it is going to have a big effect on it, especially with NFTs and all the different cryptocurrencies. Anyways, love the podcast. Love listening to you guys. And um, thank you. Bye. So I'm really glad that Greg left that message, because I do want to clarify something. Well, first off, he called us a we have the same mindset of accountants, and that hurts a little bit. <laughs> no, <it's me. laughs> Should I be offended by this? I thought that was kind of an interesting well, comment. But I'll let you clarify, and I also have a take, I think. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. Well, you're the one who said the Beanie Babies thing, so I'll let you sort that out. But Well, the key word, I, he said it like 12 times, the word investment. I think that's where you and I do not think this is an investment. So it is an investment, but it's a speculative investment, in my humble opinion. And I, I just want to say, I'm not a crypto expert. I read about it in the context of what we do to prepare for this show. So I'm more educated than your typical person who may not even know what crypto is yet, but I'm also no, not an expert. I'm really looking forward to, now that I quit my job, I can be a professional podcaster, learning more about this. So on my other show, Earmark, I am planning to have on crypto CPAs to talk about this stuff so I can learn more. So subscribe to Earmark podcast if you want to hear more about that. I also want to clarify that I am not a crypto hater. I am a... Bitcoin skeptic. And those are different things. I am very bullish about the potential of blockchain to change the world and cryptocurrency in general to do amazing things. But I think there is a ton of hype around Bitcoin. And I see it online and I see people who don't have any clue what's going on hyping it up. And there's so much hype. And that is what concerns me is that the fundamental people are buying it as an investment. As a straight up investment, like a Beanie Babies were investment. They're buying it as a speculative investment, right? So just because it's going up, they're like, I got to get on this train. And we, and maybe I'm just a little bit jaded having grown up and seen both as a child, the dot-com boom and bust, and also the financial crisis due to the housing boom and bust. And I see so many similarities in terms of just the hype cycle going on with Bitcoin. And that's, that's all. Okay, that's that's where my criticism comes from. And there's other really smart people that everyone loves to listen to, like Warren Buffett, who says, I don't invest in Bitcoin because I don't understand it. 
And everyone's always like, oh, Warren Buffett's so smart. But now that he's Bitcoin skeptic, people are like, oh, you know, he's an old man, doesn't know what he's talking about. Right? So <laughs> that's all. And I do, I do have concerns. Like when I ask questions, I, I'm a skeptic. And I think like at, that's what I love about accounting is professional skepticism is one of our core values. So I like to ask questions. Questions like, what is the intrinsic value of Bitcoin? Is it a currency? Does it do better as a currency than anything else? Is it a good store of value? When I ask these questions, I just end up with more questions. It's not like solid for me. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by File. Would you like an expense app that offers you 24-7 support, only charges for employees that actually file expense reports, and doesn't subject you, your clients, or their employees to in-app ads? It exists, and it's called File. That's File with a Y. When your clients use File, their employees can track their expenses where it's most convenient, on their phone via the File app, via Gmail and Outlook, Slack, even an iMessage. When expenses are submitted, File's AI and OCR technology will extract all the information from the receipt and automatically fill out the expense forms, giving you the ability to monitor expenses in real time via live feeds that automatically reconcile to the card transactions. If you need compliance policies, budget controls, or fraud detection, File does that too. File offers a multi-org portal to easily manage all your clients with a single account and syncs with all your favorite cloud accounting apps like QuickBooks, Xero, Intact, and NetSuite. File's accounting partner program offers training resources, co-marketing opportunities, and a dedicated support rep for your firm. To learn more about File, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash file. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash F-Y-L-E. File is everyone's expense dream come true. So my question is, everybody's investing in it, but it's hard to talk to people that are using it. Now, Blake, I actually use it. So if you want, and I'm using it in the podcasting space, if you go to newpodcastapps.com, you can download different podcast apps. I'm using the Breeze app. So I have a Breeze wallet. And basically it's, they send Satoshis, they call them stats, right? It's like one 600,000th of a Bitcoin. I don't even know the exact number, right? But yeah, but what I do is I listen to podcasts in there and I can send the producer of that podcast to the host directly through the podcast player, money. And not only do I send them money, it automatically distributes it to the host of the podcast, the person that does the show notes, the index, yeah. the podcastindex.org, and it's all done. So it's not that I'm anti-Bitcoin or the technology. I use it. I'm just not investing in it. Like that is just like to put well, your life savings into a thing like that is risky. And so that right. would be my question to the caller. Do you actually use Bitcoin or are you only investing? He said investing so many times in the call that I'm just, I suspect he just invests in it only. But yeah, and that's what that's what practically everybody's doing. I, I you're probably the only person in the world who's actually using that that service to send people money. Anyway, we, I don't want to get ha- if we had our podcast set up to receive satoshis like this, which I would love to do one day, in the app right now people could hit a button that says boost and send us satoshis. People could kick yeah, us yeah, 10 and bucks, nobody's five bucks. and yeah, and nobody's going to do it. So <laughs> Anyway, I, I really do want to talk more, but like, I want to just repeat, like, I am not a crypto hater. I'm a blockchain enthusiast. I am a Bitcoin skeptic. I want to learn more, you know, and I do hope everyone gets really fabulously rich and doesn't lose all of their money in some sort of crash that I, I fear is ultimately coming because just look at the hype. And I always, I always wonder too, also like, who are these people? Like when you buy Bitcoin for $50,000 or $60,000, who's selling it to you? Do you ever think about that? There's a ton of people who, like 2% of all the wallets in existence control almost all the Bitcoin. 
It's not my so, $61.64 at my Breeze no. Wallet. <laughs> so there's like a ton of people who bought it super cheap that are hyping it up that are selling it to you for fifty, sixty thousand. And they're gonna do that all the way up. And by the time it crashes, they'll have sold most of their stuff to you and institutions that are too dumb to and I'm not saying you're dumb. I'm just saying the institutions are dumb. Uh, they just they follow the market and yeah. Anyway, I'm I could be totally wrong. I mean, I'm already wrong because like I heard about Bitcoin when it was a dollar. If I'd bought any of it, I'd be fabulously wealthy. Well, but, here, here's um, how you know, we can prove I'm, I'm a pod, I'm a podcaster. Maybe I, maybe I spin us up a node, a lightning node, and he can listen to our podcast on one of the new podcast apps and send us some money to prove the use to prove of that Bitcoin. you can actually use it. Yeah. yeah. That has a use, a real use other than speculation. And really what um, this is, is these are like micropayments, right? Yeah. They're super teeny micropayments. And I find that kind of very interesting. So actually on this topic, one of the cool things about blockchain is the possibility of audit on the blockchain. And I saw my old firm there, Armanino, had a huge booth, and they have a giant crypto team now, and they are building tools to allow, this actually is really exciting, tools to allow auditors to continuously audit stable coins. Now, this is something that gets me excited, because one of the big problems with stable coins, which are Stable coins, by the way, they're are, tagged to the dollar, right? Is that yeah? They're, they're they're so a stable coin. One of the big problems of crypto is a variance in value, right? The the swings, massive swings. Like it's hard to use it as a currency when it's going up and down all the time. So people have created stable coins, which are crypto coins that are linked to the U.S. dollar. So you can use them for you know in payments and stuff, and not worry about ex the exchange rate and all this stuff going crazy. And the problem with stable coins is they're not regulated. So how do you know? that the issuer of the stablecoin actually has reserves to back up the stablecoin. This has happened too, where like they lie about it and then that's a problem. And the SEC is really concerned about this too. Well, Armanino has developed a tool that can instantly audit stablecoins so that you actually know that they are backed up by uh, currency reserves. That is a really valuable thing and a really cool thing. And they'll probably just, you know, it'll probably get change change audits of cash as companies move more to that sort of thing. So let's keep on moving because we got lots of news. The other company that I saw at Sage Transform was the giant Expensify two-story booth was there that we saw at Scaling New Heights. And funny enough, the, uh, the Expensify team themselves, they weren't there that much because the IPO happened. And I think they all got flown out to New York to celebrate the IPO in the middle of the conference. Expensify went public. They went with a direct listing, which is unusual. They're so profitable, they don't need to actually raise money. They just went onto the market so that their employees could sell their shares finally. And they were priced at $27 each, 9.73 million shares priced at $27 each in their IPO. The stock opened at $39.75 before closing at $41.06, a 52% jump. That pushed Expensify's market valuation to just shy of four billion dollars. Four billion dollars. I like the CFO.com article because it highlights, and Expensify highlighted this in their prospectus, that they have a viral bottom-up business model that focuses on marketing to employees rather than CFOs. This is the thing that intrigued me about Expensify from the very beginning. It is their unique differentiator. They do not have to sell to management. They just make their product amazing for the end user. And the end users, grassroots, bottoms up, push this into the organization. Yep. Genius. 
genius. So there's actually a blog post that I wrote that's still up there called Expensify is the Slack of Accounting. Because it's the same idea, right? The end users start using it and then the company buys it. It's an amazing model. And if you can make that work for your product, it works. It's it like so there's there's opportunity there. Take a look at what they did if you are a developer and you're looking at And there's a whole blog post Dave has written about this back in the past. That March of using the employees was there from like day one. And I'm actually have an old article we talk about. Um, before we jump into that, going back in the time machine though, there's an article in this is a Oregon's local business paper, Oregon Live. And they were talking about how Expensify now with its market value is the seventh most valuable company. But I think that was before it went up another 10 bucks. So maybe it's the sixth most valuable company instantly. Six, six most valuable from in where? In, in Oregon? Oregon. Oh, yeah. So right away. Well, it's and, funny because Expensify obviously was in San Francisco most of their existence. And then they added an office in Portland. And four now years Portland, ago already. It happened. It's I know, but it's funny, <laughs> it's funny because Portland and Oregon are like, oh, it's our darling Expensify that they're <laughs> That's from. True. That's true. You know, it's like, no. <laughs> the only reason they opened an office up there was because the Expensify employees couldn't afford to buy houses in San Francisco. It was the cheapest, th- yeah, it's the cheapest thing <laughs> left on the coast. Portland, just like other co- tech companies move there. Um, the yeah. article does have a quote, uh, talks to David Barrett about, and in, in, I think we've loosely talked about this over beers at the airport is like, Dave Barrett obviously sends out these emails and people question like, oh, how much control does he have? Is well, he going to get checked by so, Wall Street? Before before you say the emails, you got to kind of explain what you mean because I don't think everybody okay. listening gets so, David Barrett's emails. So Dave Barrett will write these long emails. And, and he's the CEO, by the way, CEO, founder and CEO. Founder and CEO. And if you remember right before the election, he sent that huge email, not just to the expense of customers. So think about accountants, like you're an accountant. Dave Barrett sent an, an email to the accountant, your accountant's clients and then the employees of your clients that are using Expensify. Every user got this Everybody email. got this email. If you vote for Trump is like a vote against the planet. I don't remember what the headline was. Yeah. It was very politically charged. Right? It was, a, It was. he was saying like, if you vote for Trump, you're voting against democracy. That, was, that the, was the title. Okay. Yes. Yes. And super politically charged, you yeah. know, usually CEOs of public companies don't really shoot off emails like that. Right. So the thing is like, how is that going to work in a world where you answer to the street? Well, this article, there's a little paragraph in here that kind of addresses that. So oh, okay. Dave Barrett said he recognizes that pressures will mount if the company doesn't deliver the results investors expect. So Expensify has a three-tier stock structure that concentrates voting power with, with him and two colleagues, which Barrett will said will insulate the company from Wall Street's quarterly demands for profits and financial progress. It's designed to ensure a long-term focus on long-term results. So this is the Facebook model that Zuckerberg pioneered because he still controls Facebook, even though it's a giant public company. This usually doesn't happen. And I, I question whether this is good for markets, that shareholders can buy in, but they have no control. Well, I mean, it, it, <laughs> like, because Barrett, he, you know, he can do whatever he wants, basically, he and those two employees, and shareholders have no recourse, right? They can't vote him out. They can't vote for new board of directors. They can't do anything. They're just along for the ride. And this is great. Like, you know, there's articles about how all 140 expensive employees are going to be millionaires. They did paper. give them, I heard a rumor they gave them like a big options bump. Yes. That's pretty cool. But this ties to the other paragraphs. I'm going to read a paragraph. So this article is in Business Insider. And this goes on to talk about the catch with what happened. So there are a few catches. Those shares will fully vest over eight years with a one-year cliff, meaning employees will get nothing if they leave before the first year. Because the stock grant contains the type of share called long-term 50, which gives employees startling voting. I don't know if that's a typo in the article, but it gives the employees voting power at 50 votes per share. Employees need to notify the company of their intent to sell. 
and then they must wait the 50 months to sell. So the soonest an employee can cash out is going to be five years from now. I was wondering about that because I thought if everyone becomes a millionaire, how do you keep your employees? <laughs> yeah. So so that's, you know, the, yes, on paper, they're all millionaires, but at the same time, right. they get to ride this out for five years. Got it. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Reach Reporting. I use Canva Weekly to create original professional looking artwork for the Cloud Accounting Podcast from easy to use templates. One of the templates Canva offers is financial reports. The templates are beautiful and any accountant or bookkeeper would amaze their clients if they handed the client a quarterly report from one of these templates. But then I realized how much of a headache it would be to take the data from the accounting system, Excel, Google Sheets, etc., add it to the report, copy paste, copy paste, copy paste, and God forbid if the data got updated or changed. In my brain, I got to thinking it'd be nice if Canva could do some sort of mail merge functionality, but with financial data or data I have in a table or a spreadsheet. Well, guess what I just discovered? An app has solved this problem. That app is Reach Reporting. Reach Reporting can connect your QuickBooks, Xero, Excel, or Google Sheets data so you can easily build automatically updating financial reports for your clients that are equally, if not more beautiful than any you'll find in Canva. Reach Reporting also has online dashboards you can share with your clients, the ability to create budgets, and it's all powered by always connected sheets, so you'll almost have zero learning curve. To enhance your advisory services using Reach Reporting and to get 30% off your clients' first three months, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash reach. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash R-E-A-C-H. And I'm going to just go back to going back in time with the Expensify here. Um, so there's an old, old, this is an old article from, this is from August 24th, 2010. There was a blog, uh, there was a tech blog podcast at the time called Red Monk. So this is an old, old article. This is an article actually Intuit paid Red, Mar- Red Monk to interview Dave Barrett. So this is a, the Intuit partner platform, which is really the Intuit developer platform, eventually got rebranded. And Expensify was one of the first apps. So back when I launched View My Paycheck at the same time, Dave Barrett was launching Expensify. And he talks about in this article, really the origin of this. And he tells a story about how, you know, he... Is if you're working for another company, they take these trips to India and it's such a hassle to file expense reports. And I think if I remember correctly talking to him, it was they used to, they used to have to use Oracle iExpense. And if you've ever used that, it's a, it's the worst experience in the world, right? <laughs> to file expense reports on. And what they would do is they would sell each other at a 20% discount these receipts. Well, Dave Barrett's like, you know, he's an entrepreneur. He's like, all right, I'll buy all your receipts because I'm going to make 20% profit when I get back and file the expense reports. <laughs> Except for it's such a nightmare he hated it so much, he just said, hey, there's an opportunity here. And that's why, hence, you know, their first tagline, like expense reports that don't suck. And yep. he built Expensify. And then the other big part of this article is talking about, you know, how using the employees is lead generation, but you already covered that. So we don't have to talk about that. Well, um, so what's, what's great about that is he built it based on his experience as an employee having to do this. So he felt the pain. He felt the pain. And that's the same way yeah. Matt Rizzle founded T-Sheets, right? People were stealing yeah clocking in and out at his other company. And they were stealing time, time from sheets. him. They were stealing yeah. time. Same thing. Yeah. And then the other quote to end this on is, you know, he talks about their focus and he said, do what we're going to do, just do it better. But we're not going to try to do everything in the world here. We try to pick one problem and do it incredibly well, which I thought was interesting. Like that was his core, right? Deep in the core of Dave Barrett. And now you, you he sent out a new email this week when they went public. You want to cover quickly, like all his plans in that email? 
which is no, not we don't solving have... one problem. It's solving every problem in the globe. <laughs> no, you know what? Folks are just going to have to go find that email. I mean, maybe we can link to it. I don't know. Are these even public on the internet? We got to move on, David, because okay. we've got to cover the zero acquisition. That's big news. And this goes to the whole idea of everything's becoming all in one. Shall we? Yes. So zero is acquiring Locate Inventory, a cloud-based inventory management provider based in the U.S. The Locate team is joining Zero. Zero currently has inventory, but it's like very simple inventory, not anywhere near as complicated as you need to be if you do any manufacturing or multi-warehouse or anything. It's like very, very simple. And this has been a problem for a while. So people have relied on outside inventory solutions. Now Zero is going to build in what looks to be like advanced inventory into Zero. And when you say that, it, it also means it has to like deal with e-commerce, right? It has to connect to your e-commerce platforms. It has to work for your in-store. Like there's, with every business being a multi-channel business now or omni-channel business, it's very complicated. So it sounds like, I don't know, what's your take, David? But it sounds like this is an aqua hire because this is the other uh, big thing about this. They are going to shut down Locate's independent product. And fairly fast, October 10th, 2022, which, so if you're you're a slightly bigger company, and you're using Locate as your inventory, you better pick something fast uh, because it's going to take you six months to roll this out to your company. Not not great for people who really bet on Locate when they were little and now they're screwed, you know, basically. They got to go find a new solution. I don't like the feel of that. And so looking at that, and then Zero also had their numbers out and it looks like they plan on really building this out first in the US market in North America. So interesting because Zero had the big push into the US, kind of lost momentum on that. Could this be the new big push? I hope so. Because I'm as a Zero user, as somebody who built a practice on it, I'm still I still love Zero. I want them to succeed. Yeah. So they released their numbers. I think the interesting thing in the numbers is really their user base. They overall globally are now three million total subscribers to Zero. Put this in perspective for me. QuickBooks is probably pushing 4.4, 4.6 now. I don't know for okay. sure. Okay. Zero catching up, catching or up. Or QuickBooks Online, right? Is, 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 uh, yeah, QuickBooks yeah. Online. All right. We don't, David, we don't talk about desktop. We don't talk about we, desktop. I want to put it in a real perspective. So we were talking <laughs> to Aaron Harris, and apparently Peachtree, which is Sage 50, still has like 600,000 users. Well, and this is why he's trying to build <gasps> an API that can connect to it. It makes yeah. my eyes or my ears bleed. So um, <laughs> some of the things with Zero's numbers, Australia. Um, they now have 124, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, 1.24 million uh, subscribers, but it's up 22%. Still growing. And they've, so, they've been dominating that market for years and they're still growing 20%. 20%. UK had a huge growth. They added 65,000. So they're up to 785,000 in the UK. US it, isn't, only added about 23,000, but now they're above 300,000. They have 308,000 in the US. In the US. 23%. Um, and and how, obviously, how many in the UK did you say? Uh, the UK is 785,000. So they're wow. another two years, yeah. they'll be at a million based on the current growth. And I, I think I saw Gary Turner has been leading zero in the, in the UK. And is he retiring? Did you see that? I want to feel posted, like some executive was like, hey, this is the last earnings report for me. <laughs> I don't know. He, yeah. And he, he posted the year over year like revenue growth in the UK. And it's just insane, you know, going from nothing all the way up to that. What an accomplishment. And now they're starting to show some of their other numbers in here that are not directly to the businesses, but they're starting to report on the numbers, like the ecosystem play, right? Mm-hmm. Intuit's reported on this and now zero is. So plan day, plan day is like they're clocking in and out product, right? Their timesheet type product. So plan day, that's growing quarter by quarter by quarter at a nice clip. The employees that are paid through zero payroll, that has grown 
it did take a dip in September, but everybody quit their job in September. So who knows? <laughs> and then uh, total payment volume. So this is, you know, they have payments moving through the system, payment of invoices through the platform. So that continues to grow every single quarter. So they, they're pushing through and they, like you said, they really um, pushing on this inventory to really help move the North America market. That's great. Hey, I got to jump back to Sage for a second because yeah. I missed a story. Sage is adding Zapier to their marketplace. I think this will be like really positive news for our accounting firms that are all in on Zapier. Apparently, through the partnership, Zapier can now work with approximately 4,000 apps available to the accounting software company's users in the US, Canada, UK, and Ireland. Oh, I guess that's the 4,000 apps that you can get connected to through yes, Zapier. Yes, sir. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Which helps them on the e-commerce side, right? Big time on the e-commerce side. So that's kind of cool. Like, you know, there's opportunities. If you are an expert in Zapier, you could work with intact companies on automating stuff for them. There's not really a good, like, cheap solution. Well, I won't say cheap, affordable solution for that sort of automation. Now there is. So Toast, the point of sale for restaurants, they released their earnings. And part of their uh, the announcement in there is they are announcing they are now going to offer, they're going to focus on the back end of restaurants. So, so they're just the point of sale on the front end, the back end. And one of the major things they're going to do is they are now launching a business-to-business payments platform. So just like QuickBooks, we just talked about this. The four major accounting platforms have built-in bill pay. Well, now one of the leading restaurant point of sales is now going to have built-in bill pay. For, for business to business. Do you know how they're doing it? Like, are they- That was not clear. Because the article called out Plate IQ, who just who really focuses on restaurant accounts payable, considering it call, called them out as somebody else in the space, I'm guessing they're not the one powering this for Toast. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how Toast is doing this um, under the covers, if they partnered with somebody, if they built it from scratch. And, I got follow-up. Oh, go ahead. Oh, and then there's other accounts payable news out here. So- Bill.com announced a bunch because obviously if Intact adds bill pay built in, Bill.com's added some higher end features for higher end enterprises, right? So I was wondering how they were going to stay relevant. Okay. Yeah. So, they, so they've added on more single sign-on, dual controls, like dual approvers to eliminate um, fraud, client groups. So different uh, entities can be under different client names. Um, mm-hmm. Also multi-entity support or the start of that. Um, they've added uh, some custom dimensions. They can tie back to Sage Intact data. So they Bill.com bumped it up, right? To yep. to offer more than just built-in bill pay that you get inside of Intact, right? Um, they did that. Veeam debuted a partner platform where they're going to let people be able to embed bill payment in other apps. So they they kind of launched that an API for that. They talked about that. Melio released. So there's a Last week, they basically released three major features, Melee as well, you know, my company, company I work for, partial payments, international payments, and then vendors, if they want to be paid by a virtual card, they can choose that when they're getting paid side. And those are, that's kind of, yeah, AP was a little bit hot. Yeah, so. well, <laughs> uh, listeners may know that I am working with Relay, on the, and Relay has payments as well. Everyone has payments these days. Relay's uh, the bank for, I like to think of it as the uh, the best bank for accountants. Relay has a new set of features that just came out. So here's the new Relay features, uh, payment improvements. So it's now cheaper to send wires. Domestic international wires are $5 and $10 per wire respectively. They're up to 50% faster. This is one I like. You can now schedule payments in advance and schedule recurring payments. You can now automatically sync statements into QuickBooks Online. And you can transfer money to multiple accounts at once using percentage and dollar-based transfers. So I know there's a lot of people that use Profit First. And some of them are using Relay for Profit First because it makes it super easy to spin up the 
I don't know how many bank accounts you need, dozen, sometimes a dozen bank accounts without paying fees for them. And now you can automate the transfer of funds into different accounts, which is a big feature of uh, Profit First. So check out uh, RelayFi.com if you are interested in learning more about those things. I'm doing a webinar with them next week about that, and I'll put the link into the show notes to that. And then I got just, follow up. Okay. Sorry, go ahead. Just staying on the line of people building everything in. So my case, which is law firm software. So they announced they're uh, announcing the upcoming launch of my case accounting. So it's a legal specific accounting solution. So apparently they quietly purchased a law firm accounting system called Soluno, S-O-L-U-N-O. And so they acquired that. And then they're also rolling out some practice management software called CasePeer and a document automation tool called Woodpecker. So and what's the name of this company? This company is my case. Actually, the case. current CEO is Jim McGinnis, who used to be the VP of accountants at oh, no way. QuickBooks back in the day. So on this trend of Intuit execs going to the legal profession software, <laughs> LegalZoom. Uh, somebody, who's who's at LegalZoom now from About Intuit? eight people. Yeah. <laughs> Rich so, Priest, who was the leader of the accountants group for a little while, also at, at QuickBooks. Um, so, he's there, but there's a there's a team of people, like former engineers or the CTO, partnerships persons there. Yeah, there's six to eight people there. So we've been talking about how LegalZoom is building out bookkeeping. I haven't heard anything new on that for a while, so maybe still still building it. But here's an acquisition that may point to the direction they're headed. They just acquired, LegalZoom just acquired virtual mailbox provider Earth Class Mail, of which I am a customer. So I got the email and one of our listeners said, I really hope they don't. I love one of our listeners messaged me and said, uh, I love Earth Class Mail. I use it because you recommended it, and I hope LegalZoom doesn't destroy it. <laughs> you always wonder about that. It's with funny, these actually. That was one of the comments I saw about Intuit with MailChimp. Somebody's like, I hope they don't T sheets it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Don't T sheets it. Oh, man. So, anyway, yeah, LegalZoom is building out back office. And it makes sense because a lot of people use LegalZoom for business formation. So, you can sell them back office automation technology when they get formed. And Earth Class Mail, a specific use case for Earth Class Mail is you can have them be your registered agent. So you don't have to use your home address and have that all be tied, you know, all your business registrations be tied to your home address if you don't have an office. So I think they're going to do very, very well. Obviously, Earth Class Mail has probably just done fantastic in the pandemic times because, you know, you don't have an office, you want mail to still get received and, and scanned to you. Well, what, what Earth Class Mail does is they bought shoebox. Earth Class Mail can scan your inbound pills and your and your receipts, right? Did they buy? And if, if, Did you're, they buy and if you're building, yeah, they bought Shoebox. Oh, and so, I if you're building a QuickBooks Live type service, you need to automate some of these processes. Yeah. So that's the thing. Earth Class Mail basically turns your physical mailbox into an email box. They scan your mail into like an inbox, and you can go use it. And it's actually they did a new release of their app. It was pretty old school for a while. They just fixed it up, and it's good. Follow up. Rap book. Remember Rap book, David? This is the payroll company specifically for oh, the entertainment movie industry, film. right? Yeah. 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 Because there's a lot of special things you got to do when you're producing a show with payroll that are unique. And, you know, this, the standard payroll companies just can't, can't handle it. So Rap book is a startup designed specifically for entertainment. They just raised a $100 million equity funding round from Tiger Global Management that led that round. They're now value. They're a unicorn. They're a unicorn. They're a billion dollar unicorn, valued at a billion dollars. And I wonder how many customers they have. The startup says its technology supports more than 1,000 projects a month. And 
Their revenue went up during the pandemic. There's no other financial results provided. They are a remote first company with offices in New York, Los Angeles, and Toronto. So I guess- I mean, it, it makes sense, right? You have all these new companies, Apple, Netflix, Hulu, all these new tech companies, you want to call the Amazon, with these huge budgets paying for all this huge movie and TV productions. So it's a good place yeah. for them to be in. So yeah, if you're in LA or New York and you do production accounting, look at Wrapbook. Zenwork, are you familiar with Zenwork? Probably this is not. the last story in my list, same one. Okay, so they, they make tax 1099. They mm -hmm. also have a, a product called Compliancely to uh, verify business IDs, like tax compliant, like to, you know, that know your customer type yep. thing that tech companies need to do. It was in the article, but I'm pretty sure they also own a whole cannabis thing, a SaaS product for, for cannabis. Compliance. But products, but it's not in this article at all. But they just took a raise, their very first raise ever of $163 million. They've been bootstrapped and they've bootstrapped their way up to 100,000 small businesses and 30,000 accounting firms, which is very That's impressive. amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, to be bootstrapped that way. And that, so congratulations to that team. And they're going to use that to keep building out their go to market, build out their product more, take more uh, market leadership position. And then well, Noify, you're familiar with Noify? Oh, you've, got, you've got more. Yeah, one more. <laughs> Noify. So Noify, they are a construction niche. So they're an app, they're an app that works really well with QuickBooks Online. So if you want to have, you know, a good, people, a lot of people are like, I need to stay on QuickBooks Desktop Contractor Edition. Well, you don't. You could get QuickBooks Online and Noify and be ready to go. So they just took on a round of 5.45 uh, million for their Series A. And they're going to use that again, um, some more go-to-market team and add support new product enhancements. So congratulations well, that's great to the because team. Yeah, that's great because when I hear reasons why firms can't go to QuickBooks Online, construction accounting is often one that comes up. So good for them. Well, David, we spent the whole episode talking about tech this time. It's pretty good. All cloud accounting episode. If folks want to get in touch with you, where's the best place for them to do that? I'm on all the socials, just at David Leary. I am at Blake T. Oliver. We love to hear from our listeners. Send me a voice memo. Record it on your phone, email it to blake at blakeoliver.com. We will listen and we will almost certainly play it on the air. Even if you don't like what we have to say, we want to hear it. We want our listeners to hear it. Let us know what you think about these stories, our opinions, your opinions on these or anything else in the accounting profession. David, until next week, stay safe, stay sane. Enjoy the weather in Tucson. Bye, everyone. Bye. Time for the classifieds. If you're looking to quickly grow a scalable, systematic seven-figure accounting firm without having to work 50 plus hours per week, check out Ryan Lozanis' online coaching membership, Future Firm Accelerate. Sign around Ryan's experience taking his cloud firm from scratch to sale so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You'll get online learning and topics that help you automate and systemize all aspects of your firm. You'll get coaching when you need help with implementation. And you'll also join a collaborative community of hundreds of other forward-thinking firm owners. For more details, head over to www.futurefirmaccelerate.com. Hey, podcast listeners. It's Blake, and I wanted to let you know about a new show I'm working on with CPA slash comedian Greg Kite and blogger slash former CPA Caleb Newquist. It's called Oh My Fraud, and it's a podcast all about financial crimes. That's right, a true crime podcast for accountants by accountants. Caleb and Greg are going to come together every couple weeks to unpack their favorite frauds and explore the circumstances, psychology, and interpersonal dynamics involved. 
They also fully indulge in victim-blaming the defrauded widows, orphans, infirm, and feeble-minded, because who can resist? If you fancy yourself a trusted advisor, or prefer your true crime with spreadsheets instead of corpses, listen to this show to learn what to watch out for and to keep your clients, your firm, and even yourself safe. To subscribe, go to ohmyfraud.com or search Oh My Fraud on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to get the word out about your newsletter, webinar, party, Facebook group, podcast, ebook, job posting, or that fancy Excel macro you just created? Why not let the listeners of the Cloud Accounting Podcast know by running a classified ad? Hit the show notes for the link to get more info.